Welcome to my podcast, What the Fuck Spirit. If you made it past that name, this is going to be the podcast for you. This is going to be a no holds barred, no bullshit, open and honest conversation with Maria Leggett, and that's me, about all things spiritual. It's time to begin talking in an open and honest way about what spirituality is and what it is not. We're going to discuss all things woo-woo, witchcraft, spiritual, queer spirituality, medium versus psychic, energy healing, light work, shadow work, and any other bullshit that people want you to believe because it keeps them comfortable. It is time for you to grow. Let's go. Good afternoon, everyone. I am super excited to be on here today. Our special guest today is going to be Heidi Beth Abney. And Heidi Beth just turned a grandma again this week. And so she's running a little bit behind. So you get to listen to me chitter chatter until she pops on. Um, So let's talk about what's going on. What do I have coming up this week? So we have lots of classes, lots of things going on in the month of of March. I was getting ready to say May, and I don't know why, but it's all good. Um, So today is March 8th. And uh, let's see. So we have the podcast today. Tonight, I am doing Mediumship 102 online. And then I have readings coming up. And Friday night, we have a full moon ceremony that is both, um, I think this one is just online. No, this one is just in person. And um, so if you live in the Dayton, Cincinnati area, this one's going to be down at Thimble Gardens Friday night. And we have, um, if you go to church or if you like listening to spiritual things, I am going to be the spiritualist minister on Sunday, March 12th for uscl.org. And so that's also on my website and we have readings coming up. Let's see what else, what other kind of classes do we have? Oh, in Dayton, I'm going to be doing spirit hour at Find Me in the Woods in Moraine. And if you live in Dayton specifically, I'm running Mediumship 102 in person, but you had to have taken Mediumship 101 first. And then on the 18th, we have Spirituality 101. You can see my entire schedule up on my website, marialegett.com. So we have mediumship development coming up. We have all kinds of things happening. And I am super excited to share all of this information. So, hey, Sarah, how are you? Um, I am anxiously awaiting. I know Sarah's, uh, Sarah, I know that Heidi is getting her computer up and running. So I'm going to wing it for a little while. So we'll call it Wing It Out Wednesday. <laughs> so we have lots of things going on. Um, March is like a super busy month for me. My birthday, anybody who doesn't know, my birthday is March 11th. So today is the 8th. I've got three more days until I turn 54. So anybody who does astrology, my birthday is 31169. I'm just saying. Um, if we are friends on Facebook, we have a thing going on so that you can donate to Peaches Pups, Peaches Bully Rescue. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Peaches Bully Rescue is my favorite rescue. We've gotten several dogs from there and the people who own and run this rescue are absolutely amazing, kind, wonderful people. 
and they take care of not just bulldogs or bullies, they take care of whatever breed comes their way. They're not real picky. And so being able to help any dog with special needs is super important to them. So if you are able to donate to my birthday fundraiser, if you're on Facebook, if not, it's all good. If you were listening to this late, just send a donation into them and say, hey, look, I'm doing this for Maria. And I know that they would appreciate even if it's $5 because everything helps, right? Diapers for dogs, harnesses, leashes, bowls, blankets, beds, all the things. And so that would just be super helpful for them. Never mind all of the immunizations and things that go on. So super helpful. Thank you so much for all of that. So I can see that Heidi Beth has popped in. I'm super excited. I can't wait to bring her on. She's waving at me. So without further ado, here we go. Hi. Hello, my darling. How are you? I am good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to see you. Congratulations on the new grandbaby. Thank you. Thank you. I am a little bit scattered because of it. So <laughs> I apologize ahead of time. But yes, new grandbaby, most likely the last one. And she was born at 1253 on Monday morning. So <laughs> Yay! Pisces babies rule. <laughs> yes. They my husband's a Pisces. This grandchild's a Pisces and my youngest child is a Pisces. So See what I'm saying? We rule. <laughs> so we have uh, we have Kita who is on here from South Africa. We have Lisa who is here from San Francisco. So we have lots of people popping on to see us today. So anybody who's watching, click like, love, share this video out so that everybody can see it. And in fact, I'm going to go on to my business page and I'm going to share it out personally on mine so that everybody can see this as we're going along. So Heidi Beth, I'm so excited to have you on here because you have knowledge on something that I have wanted for a really long time. And I really wanted to hook up with you in the fall and take your courses and you know listen to all the things that you had, but my schedule has been absolutely crazy. And this is part of the problem with running your own business. <laughs> is that you don't often get time to do the things that you want to do because you're trying to do everything for everybody else. So absolutely. Please, please, please talk to us all about heathenry, your background, the whole thing. I want, I want to hear it all. So how do you introduce yourself? How do you describe yourself? Like I have your introduction, but I like listening to people do it. Sure. Um, well, I have been pagan for roughly 20, almost 29 years now. When my middle child turns 29, it'll be 29 years because her birth was the catalyst for me leaving the Christian church that I had grown up with. So I was 22 at the time. <laughs> Boy, that seems- Wow. Funny. Yeah. And um, I started out with a uh, Native American bent. My aunt was a, a medicine woman. She has since passed on. But so when I started things out, I started with the things that she and my other aunt, her sister, were already doing. I asked them, you know, this was back in the 90s and there wasn't the Internet and there wasn't a whole lot of ways to find information. So I reached out to them. 
and they gave me different books from Brooke Medicine Eagle was one of my favorites at the time, and I still love her. Um, through the progression of the years, I moved more toward eclectic paganism, still keeping a strong animistic belief system in place. I, I often said that my spirituality was just an earth-based spirituality. A few years ago, I met my now husband, and he was newer to being pagan. He had been pagan at the time for about four years, and he was more fo focused on a Norse pagan path. <clears throat> I'd always been kind of attracted to that path, but also a little intimidated by it because it seemed so masculine. And so yeah. very feminine, yes. And so I had heard the call but kind of ignored it for a couple of years because I thought it's not really for me. I didn't understand a lot about it. But when I met him and I started meeting more people in the Norse pagan, Norse heathen community, I started realizing that my perceptions were incorrect. And then I had a dream. And this is if you talk to heathens, a lot of the times we have a dream or an interaction with Odin. And I had a dream, and in my dream, Odin shared a rune with me, and he literally told me that if I was continuing to follow the path that everyone else was taking, that I was going to never find what I was looking for, that I needed to get off the path, get out into the green, and develop my own path. And he wow. said, yes, I, it, was, it was very, very, it was, it was an awesome experience and a terrifying experience. That's amazing. Yep. He shared with me the rune Elhaz, which has stuck with me through all these years. It's the one that looks like a Y with a post in the center. And okay. uh, it symbolizes a lot of different things. But for me specifically, it symbolizes my spirituality and the connection that I have to it. So Odin has this fun thing. He gathers in the people and then he kind of pushes us off and says, okay, now, I'm done with you. I brought you in. Go figure out what you're doing. He uh, likes to likes to be an instigator like that. So he did. He he brought me in. I started studying things. I met wonderful people, and but there was nothing really in the area for people who were heathen. There weren't large groups of practicing heathens that we were aware of. There wasn't. Um, there wasn't a Dayton heathen coalition or anything like that. So uh, Roger, my husband had been watching some videos uh, by someone named Eric Shervin and it's called the Ravens call podcast. And he, in, Eric in his, uh, one of his many, many episodes, he talks about the fact that a lot of times you're going to have to start your own group. It's going to be grassroots. That's just the way that it is. And so we, we took his template that he laid out and, and created our own group. And it's called Runestone Heathens of Southwest Ohio. We created it back in October, I believe it was, of 2020. And we just invited anyone and everyone. And our whole belief was this group is for anyone interested in Norse paganism, Norse heathenry, if you're already heathen, if you're Asa true, Vana true, whatever flavor of heathen you call yourself, this is an open, inclusive, and welcoming group. And the reason that we made it that way was because while heathen, heathenry or Asa true is often seen as a male-dominated 
um, religion, it's also gotten associated through some bad actors back in the 70s and 80s with white supremacy and racism. And so mm. we make sure that we clearly delineated us and those who were part of that thing that is entirely opposite everything that we ever have believed in or, or wanted to be a part of. So we created this group that was open, inclusive, safe. If you were, you didn't even have to be heathen. You just had to be interested in being pagan and want to meet people and talk with people about it. And it was right before the pandemic started. So as soon as we got going, we, um, the pandemic hit and we had had one in-person gathering and then we were all not able to get together again for a long time. So we did a lot of, we did some online classes. We have some really good experts in heathenry and in the lore that are a member of our group and they were willing to do things like teach Old Norse. So we had an Old Norse course going on through Zoom and um, teaching about the Havamal, which is a section in the um, Poetic Edda that we use as kind of our guide to the things that we do. And it just grew from there when we were finally able to get together in person. We started having monthly what we call moots. There's a little bit of a different language that you use when you're in heathenry. And so we call our monthly gatherings moots, M-O-O-T. And they are community gatherings. So they're nothing that's religious in nature. There's nothing that goes on that's necessarily spiritual in nature. They're literally for people who are heathen to meet. Because circling back to why I got into this, I have always felt the need to serve the community. And when we created this community, it put that need in overdrive. I had already been a member of Butler County Pagan Gatherings on the board, and I had joined Dayton Pagan Coalition. Um, I was a member of a group called Ohio Pagan Alliance, which is now more of a Facebook page than anything else. But I, I felt called to work with other people to help them find safe resources, find education and community so that they didn't have to feel so isolated and alone. Because a lot of times when you start out and you're pagan, there's a lot of isolation. You don't, especially when you started in the 80s and 90s, you didn't know anyone and you didn't know what was safe. You didn't know what was valid, what was real. So I felt really pressed to create that kind of space for people that was safe, that had good resources, that provided good information, and provided people with an opportunity to get to know the gods on their terms. And heathenry itself is similar to other pagan faiths in that we believe in uh, a pantheistic viewpoint. You know, we, we follow the, a lot of us follow the Norse gods, but there are people who also follow the Baltic gods. There are people who follow the Finnish ones, the Anglo-Saxons. I mean, it, the, the, the number is endless and we are all a part of that group. Um, so we have that pantheistic base, but we're also animistic. We believe fully in a spirit being in every single thing that exists. Mm -hmm. And we also, you will find that heathenry 
separates itself very clearly from magic. So heathenry itself is a religion. And so it's a spiritual belief system. It is based on the, um, an attempt to recreate the religious practices of the ancient Northern European peoples. So <clears throat> we do that through what we call the lore. And heathenry is often joked about being the, the religion with homework because you have to read the lore. We don't look at it as it's not considered a holy book. It's not something inspired by God that like the Bible. It is written history of what our people would have done, how they would have practiced, how they would have interacted with the gods, as well as a uh, a catalog of the myths that we use to inform that practice. So the lore is not meant to be followed word for word. It's not meant to be taken literal. It's meant to be studied to inform and fill out our modern heathen practice. So all of that is separate from the magic part of it. You can be heathen and have nothing to do with magic and just follow the religious practices you can work magic just like in any other magical um, field and not be a heathen. But when you blend them together, you get this rich, full belief system that allows you to connect with your ancestors and with, your, with the spirits of your home and the spirits of your land and the gods. But we don't put a huge amount of focus on the gods all the time because we look at our gods as very fallible beings, just like mm -hmm. you. They're, they have, I mean, for goodness sake, we all know the stories of Loki because everyone's seen Marvel. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we look at our gods very much as fallible beings and they help us. But in order to gain that help, we have to help. We have to be worthy of it. We have to what we call sacrifice and sacrifice does not mean necessarily killing any animal or anything like that. Usually what it involves is giving up something that means something very much to us. So, for instance, I had a, a, a situation where one of my animals was ill and I had no fingernails until I was 46 years old. I bit my fingernails horribly forever. And I had this very ill animal and I was very proud of the fact that I had finally broken that cycle and grown my nails out and I cut every single one of my fingernails off and I put them into an offering bowl for Freya because it was one of my cats. And I also took a long lock of my hair because my hair is, is one thing that, I don't have a lot of vanities, but I'm a little vain about my hair. So I took a long lock of my hair and I gave it to her because those are very personal things to me that have a lot of meaning to me as a person. And so I took those and gave those to her when I asked her for help with my cat. And my cat is doing well. She's a big old chunk. I'm, if anyone what? follows my book, she, her name's Chimera and she's, she's a little monster and she's very healthy. But there was a time when I was very concerned that she was going to hang around. So that's what we look at as sacrifice more than sacrificing an animal. It's taking something that has deep, meaning either monetarily or personally and donating it to giving it to a God and saying, I am willing to give up this thing that means so much to me. Are yeah. you able to help me now? 
So it's, it's, I love that. and I, I love that you explain what sacrifice means to you because through the years, we've got negative connotations assigned to certain words like magic and witch and sacrifice and manipulation. Because people, I mean, with every word, right, we've got the two sides. There's a good side and there's a bad side. Well, the bad side is what hits the news. Nobody ever talks about the good side of the stuff. And I mean, so the way that you describe sacrifice to me is very much the same way that somebody would do for Lent in Catholicism, right? You give mm -hmm. something up for 40 days because you're doing it as an offering to God. And I'm definitely not Catholic and anybody who knows me knows I am an active pagan, <laughs> but it's the same type of thing. And that's when, you know, one of the reasons why I launched this podcast was for exactly what you had said, right? There's not a place where people can go and find out a lot of different information about different religions and spiritualities. And what do I want to follow? I don't really want to be a Christian. I know there's something different, but I don't know what I want to be. Right. And so I felt that pull to be of service the same way that you did. And I love being able to um, pull different, different religious paths in here, different kinds of things. And this way it will allow people to discover different paths that they want to look at. So I was super excited when you're like, hey, I want to do your podcast. I'm like, yes, I want to learn more about heathenry. <laughs> Um, cause I don't know a lot about it. So I loved everything that you were being able to say. Um, so we have someone on here named Ward who posted, and this is what he says earlier today, someone sacrificed themselves to carve a small path through the snow later to honor their deed. I took the path and deepened it. Eventually the perfect path will appear a Canyon. One can take to save their boots and their cuffs off their pants from the harsh, cold wetness of the snow which is true. We just keep following and, and going down into some, you know, and helping ourselves. So I like that. Um, so I love that you talked about how heathenry is a religion and you don't have to have the magic with it. I didn't know that. I think that's amazing. So you can do one without the other, but combining them is an absolutely beautiful gift that you can give yourself and a very um, conscientious way of living your life. So my question is, because this is a question I've always wondered. So my whole life growing up, raised in a very Baptist Christian household, whenever my mother would think that we were wild, she would always say, quit being a heathen. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, where does this come from? Because I know that heathenry is a sect of paganism. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize that the word pagan encapsulates anything that is not judeo-christian <laughs> so right. the 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 jewish people and the christian people think that anything that's not them is pagan so buddhist hindu right so i can do you know where this this use of the word heathen comes from um from my understanding, <clears throat> it was a word used to describe, just like pagan meant outside of the, the village, heathen was yeah. the same thing. It was people who lived a lifestyle that was outside of what was considered normal, proper Christian work, um, living. It wasn't uh -oh. a bad word, though. It wasn't, 
it was just a descriptive word. And it became something bad because, of course, I, I have many people who are Christian that are in my family and I love them all. And I accept that their God is real because I don't think that that many people can worship something that doesn't exist. However, during the course of Christianity coming and usurping the pagan gods, they yep. would, um, they would of course use those words to become negative things. And so by turning that word into a bad word, they made it something that people didn't want to be, something that was barbaric. When, in fact, um, the society of the Germanic tribes was anything but barbaric. A lot of the perceptions that we have of them today are true, but they are limited in scope because women had a great deal more rights than their Christian counterparts. No, were that was it perfect? Absolutely not. But nothing ever is. But they had a lot more rights once they were married. Of course, their marriage was often chosen for them. But once yeah. they were married, they were pretty much autonomous. They were the keeper of the keys for the household, and they were the person in charge of making sure that the homestead was kept up and running. Um, they had a lot of authority. So heathen using that word is just like using the word pagan or witch. It's, it's identifying ourselves with something that did not always have a bad connotation in prehistory, but became one. And so reclaiming the word, just like we've reclaimed the word witch. Some of our things are not going to be able to be reclaimed because of the Nazi use of them during the early 20th century. We'll never be able to use the, the swastika, which was a very sacred symbol, still is a very sacred symbol in Hindu circles. But we can't. Yes, it's a peaceful thing, but it got used in such a derogatory way. And this right. is what happens with these words, right? Like I've even, I've even caught myself just out of pure habit from when I was a kid. I even called my kids heathens. Don't be such a heathen. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my God, that's so offensive. Don't do that. We're actually not really PC about it. It's totally okay. There, there are so many different terms for what we do, and we just lump ourselves under the term of heathen. But um, a lot of people will call themselves true, which literally means being faithful to the, Aes the Aesir gods, which are one half of the gods that make up the gods that we work with. There are the Aesir and the Vanir. And... Um, there are those who will call themselves Rokatru because they work with the giants and the negative forces in, in the heathen world. So they'll work with Loki. They'll work with a, a, a giantess named Engarboda. They'll work with Hela. I work with Hela. I don't consider her a, a negative thing. But there are some that that's the focus of their practice. Um, and heathenry is... Uh, the, the most recent description I heard of it was it's in its awkward teenage phase because it's mm. been roughly 50 years now. And so the first 50 years were kind of gathering as much information as possible, people doing all kinds of research, um, organizations forming, some sticking, some not. And now we're at the point where we're starting to go, okay, so what does this mean? We've got all of this information and you practice it one way, but I practice it a little bit different. 
And if you put two heathens together and have a discussion about how things should be done, you're going to get 15 different opinions because <laughs> no heathen ever agrees on how practice should be done. So it's but I it's, love that because that means that you guys are open to doing things differently, right? Let's embrace it all. Let's take a piece of hers and his and theirs and put it all together and get this beautiful ritual that you can do. Exactly, exactly. And we call our rituals bloat. Bloat means blood because of blood sacrifice. So we call our, our the majority of our rituals bloat. And they're not set up the same as the wheel of the year. Our, our, we try to look at a more ancient calendar. We try to look at what the lore would have actually said was being celebrated at any particular time. And there are only three primary dates that are not dates because no one can actually nail down a date. There are three primary celebrations that we have in the year. And that would be <clears throat> Yule, of course, which yep. actually historically would have been held sometime during January. And then there would have been a summer solstice kind of event, something along those lines. And then we would have had winter nights, which was happened right around when most people celebrate Samhain. And it would have been the beginning of winter for the Nordic peoples. So beyond that, we we are doing what is, and it's very exciting. I, I, um, I have some workshops coming up that I'm actually going to be teaching on this. We are doing what is called creating modern heathenry. So heathenry, whether it was practiced a thousand years ago, if it had continued uninterrupted, just like Christianity had, it would not look the way it looked a thousand years ago. It would look very, very different today. And so there are people who prefer to actually practice the way that it would have been back then as much as possible. But the majority of us try to take the information in the lore, archaeological finds, and bring it forward into present day and make it relevant to today. So we are writing the lore now that will be used by future heathens. And so that's incredibly exciting to me. You know, we're writing our own sagas is what we're doing. And so... 50 years from now, the way heathenry is practiced will be very different from the way it is right now, too. <clears throat> Rowan, uh, so Rowan posted and said, neo-heathenry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're not going to call it that because, of course, no, we, we can't do that. We have to call it. It has to be. <laughs> we I do have to be very careful. We are a reconstructionist faith. So it very much is a reconstructionist belief system, but we're trying to adapt it to modern times and adapt it to modern climate because what would have been Yule in Norway is going to be a different time than what it would be here because we're at a different part place on the earth. So that is the newest thing that people are trying to do is figure out how we're going to be adapting those things to modern practice. So I have, I have decided to get out there and try and help people figure out how they want to do that. How do they want to set up their practice? There are a few things that everyone really kind of needs to accept are part of it. If you really want to call yourself heathen, and I'm not a gatekeeper at all, but if you want to call yourself heathen, then there are a few things that you really should take into account, which are 
everyone needs to have an altar or a haro. And on that altar, you need something that you can use for making it holy. Most of us use a hammer of some kind. You need an image of whatever God or spirit you're working with. And then you need to have a bowl for providing those offerings, something that you can put your sacrifice into, and something that you can use for um, spreading about your making holy. So if you are using incense of some kind, then an incense burner. If you are using something wet, like a like mead, then you'd have what's called a tine. Most of the time we cut a little pine branch and use that for most of our ceremonies. So those are the things that you have to pretty much have if you're going to actually have a heathen bloat. But beyond that, you can be very creative. You can add candles in, you can add anything that you're wishing to use for sacrifice. A lot of times I will give a daily offering of tea because I am not an herbalist, but I am a person who studies herbalism. And so tea and herbs are very important to me. So I will craft a daily tea and I will gift it in, I, I like teacups. So I have some really beautiful teacups that I've collected and I took two of my favorite ones and I gave one to um, Freya because Freya is the goddess that I work with the most. And then I gifted another one to Hela because I work with Hela too. They are the gods. When you're working with <clears throat> heathen magic, you pretty much have to work with Freya, Odin, and at some point, Hel, because a lot of our magic is ancestral in basis. It's based on reaching out to our ancestors through Hel's realm, which is where they live. And so you have to be able to work with her in order to gain access to her realm. So I have- Awesome, I love all this. So how would someone, if they wanted to, like if they're in Southwest Ohio, so how would they find what you and Roger started, the Runestone Heathens of Southwest Ohio? How would they find you? We are on Facebook and it's Runestone Heathens of Southwest Ohio. We also okay. have an email address and the email address is runestoneheathensswoh at gmail.com. And that comes directly to me and I do my best to respond to anyone who has anything, but really joining the, the group is the best possible way to connect with us because we post everything there. So you can reach out to me. I, um, I'm more than happy to talk with anyone on messenger, but if you want to actually know when our events are, what our classes are that we're offering, because we have different online and in-person offerings that we do every month, the whole um, calendar of events is there in the group itself. So do you allow people who are not from Southwest Ohio to do your online events? Oh yeah. We have people from all over the country who are part of our group and to and participate. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's. I think that's wonderful because what if somebody can't find a heathen group near them, but they want to learn about it. So at least you're opening up so that things are online and you're teaching so that people can find you. And I mean, I, you know, you and I have kind of like butted up against each other in circles for the last couple of years. Hmm. And so I'm glad that you're able to like share this information and I can have a platform where people can hear all of this. 
and hopefully it grows even bigger and bigger and we get more downloads. But I'm happy that, you know, this is a timeless thing. So it doesn't matter if people listen to this now or listen to it in October of next year, they're still right. going to be able to find you and get this information. So, oh, yes. and all the stuff that you've given is really timeless. I love, you know, how you explained you have to study the lore because there's a basis that you need to know. And my Gothi would be very happy. Gothi is what we call our God man. And Gothi is the male and Githya is the female. And we happen in our kindred, our personal group that we practice with, we um, have a Gothi. And he would be very happy if I was telling people to study the lore because he and I often like to butt heads about how important it is to stick exactly with the lore. That's how, <laughs> that's how wonderful heathenry is though. This man who's been studying things for 40 years and knows more than I will probably ever know. He respects me enough to listen to my opinion and he'll correct me if he feels I'm wrong, but he has no problem with me also providing him with some correction if I think that there's something that he might have erred on. It's so open and willing to listen to each other because it is something that's moving and growing and changing every day. Every day there's a new archaeological find that slightly shifts the way we think about things. So, you know, and that's what, to me, that's what's super important is that you keep an open mindset because, you know, we're in a day and time of technology and we're finding new things, we're finding new information and there's so much that just keeps presenting itself and you just want to be open so that you can change your opinion. Okay, this is how I used to do it, but with this new information, I really think I want to do it this way. Mm -hmm. And there's no shame in changing your game. Like that's okay. It is where okay. there, you know, where there are other covens and things that I've been around that this is how it is. This is how we've always done it. Don't change it. Well, and there is definitely there the arm of heathenry that is like that. There are people who do very, very strictly attempt to live according to the way the lore is written, but we respect them and they respect that we don't choose to do it that way. It's so, yes, there are those who do it that way, but they don't, they don't tend to tell us that we are doing it wrong because no one really knows what is right. It's all interpreted from a dead language series of dead languages. So it's, it's a constant change, but there is always, as long as you're doing the work, there's always an underlying respect for the differing opinions. Yeah. And so Sarah on here commented and said, I think it's so interesting that there seems to be a male and female representation in most of heathenry. Because in all the Christian worlds, there's always just male representation of the higher powers. And that's true. And so to me, right, when I look at any trinity, there's always a masculine, a feminine, and a whole, right? There's a trinity. So the Holy Spirit is the feminine aspect because it flows. It goes wherever. But of course, they don't talk about Christianity, the Holy Spirit being this feminine aspect. Right. They don't talk about how important Mary Magdalene was like it took them forever until they even, you know, said, oh, we were wrong. She wasn't just a whore. No, she was important. Exactly. You can't deny. I am a very strong feminist and I am very, very liberal. 
there are many conservatives in the heathen world, but conservatives not from a, a negative right-wing Christian perspective, but conservatives when it comes to the way that they look at political things. But we can get along and respect each other. I, though, do tend to really, because I do have this very, very strong belief that femininity was neglected for way too long, I do definitely tend to push the feminine envelope. I, the magic working classes that I'm teaching, they are geared specifically for anyone who is female, feminine identifying, or non-binary. They don't, we, we have a space where we're learning with that being our perspective because the male side of things was given so much attention for so long that the feminine side of things got neglected. But when you get into heathenry and you start actually reading the books that are written and you start realizing we have women who have been involved in this since the very beginning, and they have written some of the foundational scholastic works that we use to inform our practice. Women like Diana Paxson and Patricia LaFavel, they are members of an organization called The Troth, which I encourage anyone who's interested in heathenry to look into The Troth. You don't have to become a member but they are the primary organization in the United States that provides education and information and an opportunity to learn and grow. So while you don't have to be a member, you can learn a lot just from simply going to their website. Um, but all of these people are members of the Troth and they are putting out books. There are women doing this. It's not just a guy's thing at all. There are women who have been in leadership in the organization, actually run the organization because they elect their, their leaders periodically. And, and so it's always changed between men and women. It was never male dominated, but that is the perception that is out there, which kept me out of it for a couple of years. And I, I wish I'd joined sooner. So if I can encourage anyone, femininity is alive and well in heathenry and we need more women to get in there and get working so that we can change that perception. Although, got to put the caveat out there, I am not proselytizing because I believe your life path is yours. If you're meant to be heathen, great, but it's not the only religion and it should not be because I think that all gods have some form of validity. Anything that has enough power to have been elevated to a god level actually exists in my mind. I'm a hardcore polytheist. I love that. So Sarah made a comment. Here's her question. She says, do you find that it is easier to connect to the female side more than the male side? For me, yes. That I don't believe is because of the gods, though. I believe that is because of my personal history. Growing up as a woman in the 70s and the 80s and having lived an experience as a woman, I feel more comfortable with feminine deity. So that is why for me it's easier, but I know lots of women who work with the male deities and, and don't have any issue. Tonight we actually have a discussion on our Facebook page. We do a monthly God discussion where we get into the lore about the gods and there's no wrong, no wrong question. And tonight we're dealing with the God Tyr, who is probably one of the most masculine gods you can have. And yet, he has a large feminine following. He's he's considered the god of right action. He is 
the most honorable of the gods if you if you were that's why he's got a large following if he's the <laughs> god of right action yes we need heathenry well, has a few core foundational principles and one of them is what we call the gifting cycle which means a gift for a gift if you receive something then at some point you will be called upon to render something yourself and it's not like it's not looked at as tit for tat but it's more if I merit the gift from someone, then I believe that I must in turn give a gift as well. And the other thing is we live our lives in a way that is meant to be honorable to our ancestors, but also to those that come after us. So our name and our honor are extremely important. And so we work, and Tyr is a god who sacrificed a lot of himself in order to save the world from Ragnarok. And so he's considered, some have issue with him, but most find him to be the most honorable god. And tonight we're talking about, so it'll be an interesting conversation. <laughs> so if anybody wants to join that, if they hear this in time, that is on your, is that on the Runestone Heathens Facebook page? Yes, and you just come to the page and there's a brief questionnaire. It's three questions that you fill out. Basically, you have to affirm that you're willing to be open and inclusive and you have to agree to the rules. And then we ask, do you know anything yet? And if not, great. But um, so three questions and then I am able to, I, I've got a team of admins, we're able to do approval. So you would be able to attend tonight because of the problem with, in, with inclusivity and with the bad actors in the world, we do choose to keep our group private so that we can screen and make sure that we're not allowing any of that to become part of what we're doing. So we screen not so much to um, make us invisible to the outside world as much as it is to make sure that those things that could taint our reputation are not allowed to become part of it. I do the same thing for my Facebook group. So I have a Facebook group, you know, the, the alchemy of spirituality on Facebook. And I do the same thing. There are questions that you have to ask because answer, because I don't want just anybody popping in. Right. And then I start to go and I go look at your page. What other groups are you in? Because yep. I need to know what I need to know what kind of energy I'm letting into the group. Because right now I have a pretty sacred group. We don't have a whole lot of stuff, but I have had some people come in who were Christian that slid through and put in, you know, this is all bad. And of course I had to ban them and move them right away. But yep. this is what we're up against because, because paganism is rising. It's becoming so much bigger. And one of the things that I truly love about paganism more than anything is how open, accepting, inclusive, and loving that it tends to be. There's a huge LGBTQ plus population and community within paganism because we don't care. Your, right. your, your gender, how you identify, none of that matters to us. We see you for the soul that you are, and that's what's important to us. Yes. None, none of the rest of it matters. No, we <laughs> be who you want to be because why it doesn't it doesn't impact me. I, I don't I don't have a right to tell someone else how to live their life. As long as you're not no. harm to someone, then I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Uh, Sarah asked, what time is the discussion tonight? 
The discussion will be at 7.30 and it is held by yeah. Zoom. And, and that no is Eastern for anybody who's in a different time zone, 7.30 Eastern. Yep. And it is, there's no cost for anything that RuneStone offers. So you are welcome to join in. And and we have a lot of people who join in and, and just kind of sit quietly and observe. And then we have a lot of people who ask questions. Uh, I moderate it to make sure that the communication stays open and flowing. But other than that, I don't offer any opinions. I let everyone else go ahead and do that. I sometimes throw in some odd comments just to see what conversation I can spark. I, I yeah, <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. I like to get things going. <laughs> but but a little bit, but, of, a little bit uh, of a shit starter, are you? Not really, but <laughs> I do like to play devil's advocate. So I may not even agree with what I'm saying. I'm just throwing it out there because someone else said it and I want their point to be heard. You know, I love doing that. I love doing devil's advocate because here's the thing. It's important to always look at the other side. Yep. Always. It doesn't mean Rowan said stirring the cauldron instead of stirring up shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love right. that. I it. <laughs> but I love doing that because here's the thing. It really, if you're open to it, it'll give you pause to stop and think oh, is there validity to the opposite side of what I believe? And there may be, but it doesn't mean that everybody needs to, you know, listen to it. It doesn't mean you have to adapt it as your own. You're just open to there being something different. And that's one of the things I love about paganism is that it's more open. So I love that you've talked about how much heathenry is open and we can bounce ideas off of each other and, you know, just like you, I had always assumed that heathenry was more male dominated. And, you know, I come from a world where I can't handle stuff that's male dominated because I not so much that I'm I mean, maybe I am a feminist, but I'm just fucking tired of the divine feminine being squelched down yes. and not being allowed to rise and be as beautiful of a phoenix as she was meant to be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Sarah asked, if you're someone who knows nothing about heathenry, would she be able to follow the discussion tonight? Yes and no. Uh, if As long as you have some familiarity with the heathen gods, you'll be able to follow the discussion because primarily we're just talking about our own personal interactions with the god, the stories that we might have read. So even if you don't have a lot of familiarity with Tyr, you will learn about Tyr. And you, in, in doing so, you often will learn about some of the other gods that are associated with him as well, because we'll be talking about them as we're talking about him. And it's very much a roundtable discussion. I allow everyone to talk. They have to raise their hands. So there's no talking over each other. That way, everyone has an opportunity to share their point. Everyone has an opportunity to provide some rebuttal or some agreement, but it is kept slightly organized and it's um, it furthers the understanding rather than just giving people a chance to pontificate. Right. I love that. So you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you have some classes and stuff that are coming up. What are those classes? What are you teaching? And how do people find them? 
Uh, we have, we currently have a rune study going on. Tam Roy with Dayton Pagan Coalition is running a rune study group and we study four runes a month. That is currently being done by Zoom and it is on the last Wednesday of every month. Um, you can find the link for that on DPC as well as in RuneStone. <clears throat> We also have an ongoing Havamal study group that takes place one Sunday a month. That Sunday varies, but the Havamal is, again, the, the section that we use to inform our practice when it comes to morality and that kind of thing. So we have an open and um, interactive discussion on the different stanzas. So we're going through the it stanza by stanza. We also have our monthly moot. The next one that's coming up is March 17th and it's going to be held at D20. And you can find information about that on in the Runestone group. Uh, I teach a magic working course and I will be starting another section of that up in August. So right now we're kind of working together until we get everyone to the one year point and then they will be moving into the next phase of their class and I'll be starting that again in August. Um, and we have a beginner's heathenry course that will be starting up sometime in April. One of our members has been putting together a nice PowerPoint type presentation that he will be going through each week and it's a 12 week course to help you understand the basics. What is practice? What are the gods? What is a heathen worldview? All of that. He goes through, he'll be going through that with you. So those are the current courses that we're offering. I'm always looking to add more. We have a camping weekend that's coming up in June. And that is going to be, a, it's a family-friendly weekend because everything that RuneStone does is family-friendly. Um, we're going to be having workshops there. I'm going to be teaching a workshop on heathenry. My, my husband is a, what's called a scald, which would be like a bard, if you're familiar with the word bard. So he writes poetry and he plays lyre. And so he will be teaching a course on the scaldic path because... Poetic expression is also a big part of heathenry. Um, we have someone who is an herbalist. She is going to be sharing herbal information at the at the camping weekend. So that information is all in RuneStone as well, but we will be advertising that outside of RuneStone after the RuneStone members have an opportunity to, to let me know whether or not they're attending because we, um, we have around, we're close to 300 members and the camping thing will be only about 50 to 75 people. So I'm giving them the chance to, to go first before I send that out to anyone else. But well, I uh, love that you have that many members. I think that is amazing. And so all of this information they can find in the RuneStone group, right? Yes. And then and um, also shares our calendar of events with their calendar every week. So you can find it on the Dayton Pagan Coalition page as well. You can at least find details about what's going on that week with RuneStone. Fantastic. So we're coming to the end of our hour. I can't believe it's gone this quick. I know. Is there, is there anything that you haven't said that you want to share? So we have your email that you've given us that I'm going to post with the podcast. We have where to find you. Is there anything else that you want to share or say before we close up for the day? 
I just want to encourage everyone to find their own path because it doesn't matter whether you're heathen or you are Christian or you are um, Wiccan, just finding your own path has been what has opened me up for this. So keep looking, keep searching and keep watching this podcast and other ones like it that offer you the chance to learn the different flavors that are out there until you find the one that gels with you. I love that. Thank you so much, Heidi, for joining us today. And congratulations on being a grandma again. Fine. This is the ninth one. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am so jealous. I only have three. <laughs> yep, I think this is the last one, but yay, I know. I, 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 my head is a little fuzzy right now because I've been in baby land for the past couple days. Listen, I'd rather be in baby land myself, kissing baby toes. Oh. <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever. My oldest granddaughter, nine years old, she'll still come over and take her shoes and socks off and go, look at my baby feet, Mimi. Oh. <laughs> I know. She's nine. I don't have the heart to tell her, honey, those aren't baby feet anymore. Now they're just stinky. <laughs> But I love her and I kiss her feet anyway, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so and I will be there. Just uh, the Dayton Psychic Fair. I will be there oh. teaching workshop. Oh, awesome. When is the Dayton Psychic Fair? Please plug it. The 18th, March 18th. It's a Saturday. March so 18th. it's not and it's the next weekend. Okay. And if you want to join the Dayton Psychic Fair, you can go to the Dayton Pagan Coalition page on Facebook. And you can look up Dayton Pagan Coalition and they have a website so you can find the psychic fair from there. So they have lots of readers who are going to be there. It's in, it's in Huber Heights this time, right? Yep. So if you live near Huber Heights, Ohio, you can absolutely do that. Um, and if anybody else listening would like to be a guest on the podcast, please contact me. You can find me at wtfspirit.com. What the fuck spirit? Because this is what we do here. Yep. So thank you so much to everybody who joined us. Thank you for listening. Heidi, thank you so, so much for joining. I am so grateful for your time and your energy. Many, many blessings to you. Thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.